Presentation Skills for Design Students, Episode 18. Hello and welcome to Presentation Skills for Design Students, the podcast dedicated to helping design students everywhere become confident, creative communicators. My name's Christina Cantors, and I'm here to help you speak with confidence, create compelling presentations, and communicate your ideas like a boss. So get ready to take your next presentation to a whole new level. Yes, and welcome back everyone to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm really excited for today's episode because I'm interviewing the one and only Ulysses Valiente from the Underdog Architecture Students blog. I'll be speaking more about what Ulysses is up to in a moment, but I just want to share with you a little challenge that I've been setting myself this week. Now, you know how on on this podcast I like to give you a challenge of the week. This week I've been setting myself my own little challenges. Now, do you remember my interview with Peter Billingham? It was episode four, so you can find it at designdrawspeak.com slash 004. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should definitely check it out. Peter is a brilliant speaker and has lots and lots of tips to share. But one thing that we spoke about was the, this idea of surpriseology and how to really just do something out of the ordinary to really surprise people and make a positive impact on their day. So I've actually been practicing surpriseology and how to become a surpriseologist this week. And I've been doing this by coming up with creative ways to ask people to be interview guests on my podcast. So the first thing I did this week was I made a slideshow presentation and I uploaded it to SlideShare. And then I tweeted the link to Nadine Hanafi, who runs a company called We Are Visual, and they're all about creating beautiful and effective presentations. So I thought, you know, how can I be a, how can I be a surpriseologist and make something that stands out? So I created this slideshow, and you know what? She said yes. So I'll be bringing her on as a guest on the show in the next few weeks, and that should be really really cool. So I'm like, okay, well that worked. And I'm thinking now of all the other ways that I can be creative. So I've got a few more ideas. I really want to get Bjark Ingalls of Big Architects, Bjark Ingalls Group. So I'm, I'm thinking about making a little flip book out of post-it notes and then sending that to him. I thought that would be quite cool. Also, I really want to interview Will Allsop. He's a, a UK-based architect. And I saw him present once and he was absolutely amazing. So I'd love to have him on the show. I know that he loves doodling and writing all over walls and things like that. So I want to do some sort of sketch all over my own wall at home and tweet him a picture. So, you know, things like that. What do you think? Do you think that would work? I mean, if you have a better idea, please let me know. I'm, I'm open to, to suggestions. Oh, actually, here's an idea. Can you think of someone who you'd like to appear as a guest on the podcast? Maybe they're a designer or a really inspiring teacher or lecturer that you've had at school or perhaps a really great speaker that you've seen. I would love to hear your ideas and thoughts on who you'd like to hear on the podcast. 
So just leave a comment at uh, in the show notes at the end of this episode. So you can find that at designdrawspeak.com slash 018. Or you can just email me. It's Christina with a C-H at designdrawspeak.com. Now, it doesn't matter if they're well-known or not. If you think they would have interesting and valuable stuff to share, then I would be really keen to meet them and have them as a guest on the podcast. Okay, anyway, moving on to this week's special guest. And this week, I was very lucky to have the opportunity to chat with Ulysses Valiente, who is the founder of the Underdog Architecture Students blog, which is all about his love-hate relationship with architecture school. It's an awesome blog. It's a really great resource and support forum for for design students who, you know, may be struggling a bit and who may need some inspiration. Ulysses was also very kind to let me guest post on the blog this week, which I'm really excited about. So be sure to check it out. And uh, I'll put a link to his blog and all the other links that are mentioned in this episode in the show notes as well. So you can find those at designdrawspeak.com slash 018. Now in the interview, we chat about what Ulysses struggled with in architecture school and what he learnt from falling behind in studio. I know it's something that we all dread, like falling behind, but Ulysses has been there and you'll discover the valuable lessons that he learnt from that experience. So if you've ever felt like a bit of an underdog at design school, Listen in for a bit of inspiration from the very lovely, very epic Ulysses Valiant. Ulysses, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be on Design Draw Speak, Christina. (laughs) Firstly, I just wanted to say you have a really cool name. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I don't, it's not epic, the story of how my parents named me, but I guess whatever works. I, I'm, it's a very unique name. How did they, why did they name you Ulysses? Um, I, I mean, I'd like to think it ha- they, they read James Joyce's uh, book, but really I think it's just a name out of a book that they. <laughs> have um, you, have you read James Joyce's book? Unfortunately, no. Um, and every time I walk around, uh, the public or if I, you know, buy a ticket at a museum or a movie theater, some people get a kick out of the name. And it's like, oh, it's too unique. I, it's a little too epic. That's what one of my professors have told me. Oh, there's nothing wrong with an epic name. That's amazing. It's a lot of pressure to... <laughs> you, gotta, you feel like you have to live up to your epicness? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Why not? Mm-hmm. Now, can, now for, for those who don't know uh, of you and, and what you do, can you please just share with our listeners... Uh, about your about your blog and and why why you started it? I guess it started at first with a hobby of mine in architecture school, um, just making a few Facebook notes and tagging a bunch of friends. And the format would be like this main image and then my little rant on school. Um, eventually, uh, I, I ran into a situation where I fell behind, and I guess to kind of recover from it, I used blog as my means to. Uh, it was like my therapy and my way to make meaning with failure. Uh, I did fall behind in studio and I've been trying to make meaning even after architecture school. How does, how do I become better in the future? 
so I established the Underdog Architecture Students blog. After graduation, I decided, okay, instead of just sharing it with my peers and friends on Facebook, I decided to try and make it go public. So I, I created a Facebook fan page, a Twitter account, and all of a sudden I got a guest post on Life of an Architect. Um, I was asked to write an article for the Journal of the American Institute of Architecture Students, and I started to gain a bigger following. Um, I think my experience of falling behind in studio is something that there are other students out there in the world that deal with the same kind of uh, stresses and struggles, and I felt like I was a little bit more vocal to bring these issues, you know, out and get people to um, realize that, you know, there are going to be students that fall behind and there are going to be design students that struggle. Yes, yeah, so many people do share the same struggles and the same stresses and and things like that. So to give give architecture students a voice like that is is really great. So, yeah, I congratulate you on that. It's a really, really great blog. And yeah, I encourage anyone listening to go check it out if you haven't already. And I'll pop a link to that in the, the show notes as well. Now, with everyone I interview on the podcast, Ulysses, you may be aware of this. I like to ask them about the two things. Now, okay. do you know about the two things? I've heard about it. I, I forgot the rules, I must say. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's It's based on the idea that any topic or subject can be distilled down to just two things and anything else about that topic is just either an application of those two things or it's just not important. So I I actually did this little exercise with uh, a bunch of students at Melbourne University the other week and one thing I asked them to think about was about YouTube. I said, what are the two things about YouTube? And one response that I got back was number one, everything has a parody and number two cats can do anything mm-hmm. i think that's oh. quite a good analysis of youtube <laughs> and it's a really good practice i find when you are trying to put together a presentation when you're mm-hmm. sort of struggling as to thinking about what what do i share you know what do i talk about first if yeah. you just think if you just think you know what are the two things that the audience really needs to know about this design or you know or about my project and that will really help so one thing I want to ask you is what are the two things about improvisational comedy? Hmm. Improvisational comedy, I guess, one, it's about collaboration and learning how to, I guess, work with your partner or a group of people on uh, a scene that you're doing. Um, it requires paying attention. So uh, one thing I'm learning in, I just started improv school, introductory classes, I'm in my second week, is uh, the idea of giving an offer and also saying yes and accepting those offers. So if you're in a scene and you have to, uh, if you're in a scene and, you know, somebody will make this scenario for you or give you a certain name, you're going to have to run with it and roll with it. I think in some ways, uh, if you're going to be doing your studio presentation and it's with a partner, I think there should be that kind of fluid dynamic of passing back and forth the ideas. Um, And also in collaboration with them, when you work with them on a design, it's not always about just um, shunning their design ideas. It's also learning about, okay, yes, and let's also contribute to that, that design idea by doing something else. So it's learning how to work with other people. Um, I, I, I feel like I should have uh, 
applied that more often when I was a student. Um, a few little collaboration blunders here and there, but uh, that's what I'm learning now out, outside of school. Mm. Um, the second one about uh, improvisation, I would say it's about, you know, listening carefully. That's something I, well, I wanted to also take uh, improv classes. And you're going to have to be a good listener when you uh, talk to your clients and your professors and and the people that you work with. So those are really key to and vital in the profession. Well, I really like how you related that back to architecture school. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And for those listening, I, I asked Ulysses that about the improv comedy because I saw on his blog that he had started improv classes and that it has been helping him with his you know, life outside architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, for the past year after, uh, after I found my job, it took me a year to find work after graduating. Uh, I, I just wanted to do something that was 180, um, something that was just out of the, the blue. People wouldn't expect from me. So I decided to get interested in uh, improv classes, and I went to a few drop-in sessions from different comedy troupes and comedy schools, and it was something that I took great enjoyment from and it was a great breakaway from you know working nine to five in an architecture firm Mm. and it seems like it's giving you really great communication skills and building your confidence ah yes definitely uh i think my experiences in architecture school did kind of impact a little bit of my confidence so it's i'm all and in this blog if you if you read it i am trying to make amends with uh, trying to deal with failure, but also trying to gain confidence back. What sort of experiences did you have that made you lose confidence? You know, when you, when you, get your, when you fall behind in studio, it does feel like, am I really a great designer? And I think this kind of uh, cyclical process of self-doubt can, you know, really build on you when it's like, oh my God, I'm going to fail. And it actually happens. You do fail. And, you know, it could be traumatic. And also when uh, you fall behind, you can tell with your peers that they don't see you as a great student at times. You know, it's, it, it could be, it, it's quite often a struggle, I think, when for students that fall behind in architecture school because mm-hmm. it's very competitive. So when you did fail, mm-hmm. how did you, you know, in hindsight, looking back, mm-hmm. what, what, did that, what did that teach you? Hmm. Well, I think one of the things that happened before failing was I dropped some classes. And I think I, I, I graduated from high school and I kind of coasted through my classes back then. Um, when you go into uni, it does hit you hard. And I had to learn about the consequence of not working hard enough. So I, I think after failure, it's a blessing in disguise. It told me, you know, if you really want this, if you really want to be an architect, then uh, you better work hard and you better put more effort into school. So for the, fi- for the final few years of my uh, university career, I was a little bit more focused and engaged. Mm-hmm. I got involved with a student group. So we also, it gave me a chance to travel to conferences in the U.S. And it gave me a chance to meet other passionate architecture students. Um, and also just to learn how to, I don't know, I, I guess, there's a lot of things that I did. I, I tried to be more proactive as a student, quintessentially. Yeah. On your, on your blog and from what you've experienced and from, from your own point of view and, and from your peers as well, what do you seem to find is the number one thing that architecture students struggle with when they are giving presentations? I think, 
if you are presenting your project, uh, I think you need to prepare yourself, uh, you know, ahead. You should know your design in and out and easily uh, know it to the point that if you're in a presentation and the professor says, we only got five minutes, can you quick it up, uh, make it much more quick? Um, you're going to have to know how to summarize your design idea down to, you know, make sure that you're running on time. Um, I also noticed that some students will uh, lose momentum when one of the jurors will start to interrupt them in the middle of their design uh, presentation and, you know, pretty much, I guess, rip them apart. I don't know if there's a nicer way to say it. No, uh, that's pretty much saying it like it is. That's what happens. <laughs> and I think you also have to learn a little bit of modesty when you do your presentation. Um, I noticed from listening to one of your podcasts, one of the architects says, don't BS, you know, to your client because it's going to bite you back. If you're called out for a mistake, I think you need to, I guess, humbly accept it if you can't defend it and then kind of be able to learn how to move on. Because more often than not, I see a lot of students that will try and defend that, you know, little mistake that the juror is picking out. And I think there's also that dynamic in a uh, studio presentation where the jury also wants to sound articulate. So if they're feeling like they're being re rebuttaled against, they're going to kind of keep bashing you until they get their point across and put you in your place. So I think you have to find that balance of uh, modesty, knowing when to defend your design and knowing when to let some things go. Definitely. Because I know a lot of the, like the guest critics or, or the jurors who will be there, they're often you know very senior level architects and they've been... Mm -hmm. They're very experienced and they've been in the game for a long time. And for them, I can imagine for them to have a student who's had, you know, next to nothing relative, you know, comparatively for mm -hmm. them to start saying, oh, no, no, but I'm right. I can see that, you know, an experienced architect would, that would get on their toes. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I totally agree with you. Having just, just leaving your ego at the door and just accepting that, yes, you are still young and you still have a lot to learn yeah i totally agree it's i don't know i've seen it happen a lot in um architecture school where that happens and usually the end result is not pretty <laughs> i mean if you're watching the review i guess it's entertaining but to be in that position of presenting and you're just being railed against you know for trying to bite back it does get a bit iffy mm. i think that thinking on your feet is a really good skill to develop and doing something like the improv classes, that would, that would really, really help to, mm -hmm. to stop you from getting all flustered when someone interrupts you. It's a really mm -hmm. good skill to have. It requires a lot of practice to get to that level um, when you present your projects. Um, I know in first and second year, I was the kind of person where I didn't write my notes for my studio project when I had to present. And I was just going to, I guess, roll with it and improvise. It requires a lot of practice to get to that level. And I think for me, in high school, I can think about, you know, different classes like politics and uh, physics where I'm asked to present something and they would up the ante where, you know, it's like you can't read off your slides. Uh, you have to, you, you only have one small card to write your notes and uh, you can't write everything on it. So you're going to have to learn how to speak freely and naturally. Um, and also learning how to give eye contact to your audience. I think that's also another important fact. Why? It's to help you like connect. Um, I did church youth group when I was in high school 
And if you're going to read something, you know, even just that baby step of, you know, every few sentences, look at a different part of the audience. Uh, you have to make that connection. And another thing that I guess that inspired me uh, in university to become a better presenter, and it really worked a lot, uh, especially in my final studio projects, is to kind of create your narrative. I looked towards a lot of TED Talks, um, especially some of the good architecture ones, because you know, their slides, they're not with words, they're with a lot of images and drawings, and they kind of build this kind of story and narrative through the entire presentation. I think that's a good example of, you know, how you should present your studio projects. Do you have examples of some of your favorite architects or designers who who you've seen um, doing TED Talks? Hmm. I mean, I, I, I the ones that I've seen and I've liked was... Um, the talk by Joshua Prince Ramis, um, that's a good one. There's even a lot of non-architecture uh, TED Talks that I think are also good, where they, they use slides effectively. They're, they're with no words, but uh, they use the visual, and they are also speaking to kind of so that they can all kind of work together. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you don't really want the audience to be reading every word that you're saying on the screen you kind of draw attention to the screen then to to yourself and you also have to be able to also grab the audience attention while presenting yes this is very true i did a i just did a a podcast episode actually on on text and using (laughs) text and and this is something that i i discovered you know if if you put text up on the screen the audience is going to read it and if you're trying to talk at the same time they're not they're either going to listen to you and not read the text or they're going to read the text and not listen to you so they can't Mm -hmm. really do both yeah so you're better off just not putting any text up there if you want to keep talking yeah or just putting a few key words um i noticed that with like some of the architecture courses i had where people had to present their slides and um some of them would just put the notes of what they're saying and i don't know i just felt that was very really yeah they put their notes of what they're saying on the screen yeah, but this isn't for like a studio class. It was more like history or something about architectural writing or mm. um, urbanism, those type of courses uh, where we had to present some type of reading to the class. But I don't, I don't know, it's, it's not the best way. And I get bored at presentations where it's like just, you know, nothing but words. Oh, I think and, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, that's really great because if you can think – you know, I mean, because obviously studio is not the only subject that we have to give presentations. So mm-hmm. if you can apply that sort of concept or then those ideas to all your other presentations, then you're, you're going to stand out and be the one whose presentation is actually interesting and engaging rather than just slabs of text on yeah. the screen. I really could, I could talk about this all day, actually. Like this stuff, <laughs> this, I mean, as you know, this stuff really, really interests me. We do have to wrap up the interview soon though do you have any other nuggets of advice for design students out there who you know might be struggling might be feeling like they're going to fail and you know that that self-doubt is just creeping in do you have any any other pieces of advice for for them I think when you I think you have to persevere I think there's a lot of students um that will fall behind but they actually will be good, you know, and valuable people to any design firm. There's so many uh, skills that are required to get a building built. 
um, talking to some friends from the states that um, I met in my art in my educational career. You know, it's there. There's people that are interested in uh, communication skills. I think somebody did her thesis on that. Um, some people like in my career, I've met people that like doing digital fabrication, and you know, they're pursuing. A part of the industry that focuses on it. So I think there's a lot of um, opportunities for everyone to kind of fit in. Uh, I don't think your grades are going to be a very uh, determinate factor of whether you can make it in the field or not, because I've seen many students that fall behind and they work in a pretty good firm now. So there's yeah. a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be a, you know, super, super duper talented designer or mm -hmm. renderer or drawer. I know I was never really good. I'm not I'm not very good at drawing and I didn't consider design to be one of my strengths, but I do have lots of other strengths and I think if you can just work to use those to your advantage. Mm -hmm. But I also think you should also try and uh, dedicate time to also work on your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, Photoshop was not my strength uh, and rendering and it's at work where I'm confronted where I have to pick it up. Um, so I think what you want to be is like, uh, you want to be the best that you can be. I know that sounds cliche and US Army like, but you want to be able to try and know your strengths, capitalize on them. And if you have time, also work on, the, on your other skills or weaknesses. It doesn't hurt. I remember forcing myself to learn how to use, I think it was 3DS Max. Like a oh, that's... <laughs> I've tried learning that and it's still hard. Like I've taken courses on it. It's it's so hard. I definitely, I tried it and I, and I got so frustrated in the end. I went, okay, at least I know this is just not, I, I don't see a future for myself doing 3DS Max. So I stuck to doing physical models and Photoshop and that worked for me. Mm -hmm. Because and really, yeah, your time is precious when, especially during semester. Yes. Uh, you have to stick to your strengths. I think in my school, you know, a lot of people were into a certain uh, 3D modeling software and renderer, and they would look down at, you know, things like SketchUp or, or whatever. But honestly, if it, it really comes down to your design ability and it, whatever gets the idea across quickly and effectively to help you get that grade, then you shouldn't feel insecure about that. Perfect. I love that. That's a, that's a really... That's a great thought to end on right there. Now, mm -hmm. now, Ulysses, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Can you, you. Can, you just, can you just remind us again of your blog? Yeah, don't forget to check out the Underdog Architecture Students blog. Um, I'm also available on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, what's your, it's Twitter, a, what's it's, your Twitter name? It's Underdog Arc Stew. Yep. And um, so feel free to check me out there. Uh, the URLs is a bit lengthy, and I'm sure Christina will be able to provide it on the website. Yes, I'll definitely pop that on there. And we also have the Facebook fan page. I, I like Facebook a lot, so there's more content coming out from that one. That's cool. But you have a I lot. You have a lot of likes. <laughs> I'm really inspired. I want as many likes as you have. <laughs> well, I have already shared a design draw speak, and when you when I next week when I share the uh, guest post, I, I I'm going to share your. Uh, fan page again. Oh, so. awesome. Yes, yes, I must say Ulysses has been very kind to let me guest post on his blog, which I'm very excited about. So mm -hmm. that would be very cool. All right. Well, Ulysses, thank you so much again and all the best with your with the blog and with your continuing 
endeavours in the architecture profession. Same, and um, I wish the same to you. I hope you enjoy New York City, and I hope it's, I don't know, I hope it's an awesome one and you get to grow and... Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. All right, no take care. Take care. Bye. Thank you again to Ulysses Valiente from the Underdog Architecture Students blog for sharing his experiences and his lessons with us. I was certainly inspired during our chat and I hope that you are too. So be sure to check out his blog, the Underdog Architecture Students blog. I'll put a link to that in the show notes at designdrawspeak.com slash 018. Now, the challenge of the week. And I'd like to relate this back to what Ulysses and I were talking about in terms of focusing on your strengths, but also looking at your weaknesses. So your challenge this week, I'd like you to just write down what your strengths are and what you're good at. And then I'd like you to think about how you can use these strengths to really stand out, be unique and be really authentic in your work and in your presentations. And then I'd also like you to write down one weakness or one particular area that that you believe needs work. So maybe it's your your drawing skills, maybe it's your communication skills, maybe it's your time management, whatever it is, write down one area that you believe you need to improve on and then write down a few ways that you can actually start to improve this semester. So just one thing. And if you start to just do little things to to work on that, maybe it's a software program you're not very good at, like Photoshop. So maybe you can set yourself the goal of, you know, each week I'm going to do one tutorial. I'm going to go on YouTube and find one tutorial and learn one little thing about Photoshop. And then just do, just take these small steps in order to improve your weaknesses. And then even if it's just one thing per week, if you do that for a year, that's 52, say, tutorials or 52 steps that you've taken to improve. And I guarantee you will get better and and be and be a lot closer to becoming the Photoshop ninja that you want to be. So that just about brings us to the end of episode 18 of Presentation Skills for Design Students. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure and I really hope that you've got a lot out of this episode. If you haven't already, I would very much love it if you could subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. And you know what would really help this podcast get discovered by more people? If you could leave a rating and a review in iTunes, that would be absolutely amazing. All you have to do is go to designdrawspeak.com and follow the links there to iTunes. Leaving a review is just really, really quick and it's just a really good way for the podcast to gain a bit more exposure. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Anyway, I hope you have a simply wonderful week. And until next time, this has been Presentation Skills for Design Students, helping you become a confident, creative communicator.